Okay, we're going to um, think about Psalm 30 um, this morning. And the, the title that I've given this is Inside and Out, the Internal and External of the Spiritual Life. <laughs> and I, did, I must confess, I was thinking about this and preparing for it. I got myself a bit confused about what was inside and what was outside. So I, I hope you're not too confused at the end of all this. Uh, but that's where I want to go. And the, the, um, the question that I have is this. Does my spiritual well-being depend on what is inside me? Or does it depend on what is outside me? I'm very pleased with that transition, by the way. I <laughs> spent hours working on that. And I, I, have to, um, I have to credit Lewis, because he was the one who showed me how to do it. <laughs> so, spiritual life, where does it come from? Does it come from inside? Is it to do with the faith and hope that is rooted in my mind and my heart? Is it inside me? Or does it come from, from outside, in terms of my experience of redemption and grace? Do I live my spiritual life from the inside out into the world? Or do I live my spiritual life uh, the other way around? Is it the outer things and events and experience that determine my inner spiritual life? Well, here's a spoiler alert. It's both. <laughs> Has to be both, doesn't it? both inside and outside, is important to my spiritual life. And I want to just explore this relationship because actually I think there is there's quite an interesting dynamic relationship between the things that are outside me and the things that are in my inner life. And th that relationship changes over time. And, and I'm sure you'll all have experienced this. You know, there are times, aren't there, when you, you know, you're so full of, of faith and hope and energy that you feel as though you conquer the world. And there are other times where you think, what's um, a phrase from Job? I am a worm and no man. You been there? Some of you will have been. And the, the in, inside stuff has just run out. And actually what it needs is, is outside influence to come and, and bolster my inner life. And actually I think that dynamic between inner and outer is something that applies in a whole lot of aspects of life. I, th I think it applies in areas of emotional health and mental health and even sometimes actually in physical health, there is a dynamic between what's inside and what's outside. And I remember um, as a young minister visiting a lady in hospital with the senior minister that I was working with at the time, and this lady suffered terribly from arthritis. She, her fingers and her um, hands were really deformed and she was quite crippled with arthritis. And the other thing about it was that she was really quite a bitter lady. She had had all sorts of, of disappointments in her life and, and she was very resentful 
about many of the things that had happened. She was resentful about her family and about their shortcomings and the way that life had treated her and where she had ended up in life. And she wasn't an easy person to listen to because of that bitterness. And as we left, I remember the, the, the senior minister that I was with at the time after we'd left and uh, spent some time with her, he said, you know, I wonder whether that lack of forgiveness in her spirit is connected in any way with the um, deformity in her body. And it was just a, it was a question. I'm not sure that there's a, a very clear answer, but those... The, the, our inner life and our outer life is connected, isn't it? In all sorts of different ways. Those two things have a, a dynamism about them. And in our society, actually, a lot of the, the thinking around these kind of areas is, is heavily influenced by, by Freud, by Sigmund Freud, because um, his idea of the inner child and the way that that influences our adult behavior later in life is something that's, that's kind of entered into our kind of general understanding of the way that, that human beings are put together. And as I understand it, Freud's proposal is that the, the explanation for, or some of the explanation for adult dysfunction is to do with, or, or is located in childhood experience. And you can certainly see it at, at a simple level the way that that works, can't you? If an individual has suffered from trauma or neglect or abuse as a child and that has become internalized, then it, that may be manifested in later life in, in behaviors that are, are damaging to, to that individual or indeed to others round about them. And so in that way we have a sort of understanding in our society that we live our lives from the inside outwards, that the, the things that are inside us influence what happens outside us. But actually, interestingly, the, even in modern psychology, there is room for the opposite understanding as well, because in um, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT as I understand it, it's an umbrella term, but one of the things about CBT is it includes the idea that if I change the way I behave, then I change the way I feel. So if I change the outside things, then the inside things change. And that's the opposite. That, that's the opposite to, to Freud. That's living, in a sense, from the outside inwards. Are you still following this? <laughs> so both of those ideas are around in, in terms of, of the way that we live. Is it from the inside outwards or is it because of outside influences inside? And it's both. And, and I think the, um, the psalm is saying that. It's saying our spiritual well-being is influenced both by our inner life of faith and by the outer circumstances and experiences of our lives. And those two factors uh, play uh, with each other and, and the, they, they vary from time to time according to our circumstances. So let's start with this one, that, that the idea that, that what's outside there 
influences what's inside. And that's really what these first four, first four um, verses in the psalm are talking about. It's talking about the outside, the external influence on our inner life. I will exalt you, Lord, for you have lifted me out of the depths. You did not let my enemies gloat over me. I called to you for help and you healed me. You brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Something external has happened... And the result is that the inner spirit is lifted up. I don't know if any of you heard this. A couple of weeks ago, there was an interview with a guy called Michael Rosen. Do you know who Michael Rosen is? He was a previous um, child laureate. He's a, child, a children's author and uh, poet and so on. And he was on the radio because he's got a new book called Getting Better. And the basis of the book is a reflection on his recent experience of ill health and recovery, and among a number of different things that he's experienced is that during COVID, he was very, very seriously ill. In fact, during COVID, he was in a medically induced coma for 40 days. And when he eventually recovered from that and got better, the, the medical staff said that he was the resurrection of the year. <laughs> And he was asked during the interview, are you religious? And he said, no. No, I'm not. However, he said he was optimistic. He had a positive outlook. One of his coping strategies, interestingly enough, was, was that he um, looked for one thing each day that he could be proud of. And he, when he went to bed at night, he would, he would remember that one thing that he'd done. And he said it could be something very trivial. It could be something like going to the supermarket and remembering what he was supposed to get. <laughs> but just one thing that he could focus on and remember that he had achieved during the day. This psalm is saying that for those with faith, those kind of experiences being lifted out of the depths, being spared from going down to the pit, will lift our eyes up to God, won't they? They will, they will bolster our inner life. They will raise our spirits. I quite identify with this thing about trivial achievements, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking, but you do that. You lie in bed, you know, at night. Um, I, I often, you know, years ago I discovered that um, there are two different ways to worry well, probably a lot more than two different ways to worry. But there are two different ways to worry, and Anne and I are at the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, because she goes to bed and lies and worries about stuff. And I go to bed and I go to sleep. <laughs> and then I wake up in the middle of the night and I worry about stuff. <laughs> and when that happens, you know, when you have that kind of... Your mind is racing and you're thinking about all the things that... Well, that just occupy you. I, I find it quite helpful, you know, to think about the one thing, the one thing I did today. I mended a coffee machine. Woohoo! <laughs> I cleaned the bathroom. Well, that's not very often, but I don't know. <laughs> I drove the food van. Just one thing. And I, I quite identify with that as a, um, a coping 
strategy. But that's what these first four verses in this psalm are about. They're about the way that external influences bolster our inner life. The other angle on this is the opposite. It's what's inside influences what's outside. The, the, our feelings about things affect how we see the world and how we behave. And that's, in a sense, what the verses 5 to 10 are about. They're about the inner resources that we have or don't have that make a difference in the outside world. And in the, the first part of that is um, the, the positive impact that our inner resources can have. So, um, verse 5, his anger lasts for a moment, but faith holds on, and his favour lasts a lifetime. And then the same verse, weeping where remain, remain for a night, but faith holds on, and rejoicing comes in the morning, so that the inner resources enable us to get through that kind of tricky patch of uh, uncertainty. But there's also a more profound and perhaps more negative thing going on here, and, and verses 6 to 10, I think, deal with this. When our experience of loss and weakness is profound, then our inner resources become depleted, don't they? And actually what happens is we begin to look to the outside with a quite negative view. And that actually makes a difference in the world outside us. So that the, our positive feelings can have a positive impact on the world outside us. Our negative feelings can have a negative impact on at least the way that we experience the world around us. And I think that's what's happening later on in this psalm. Verse 8, to you, O Lord, I called, to the Lord I cried for mercy. Where is the gain in my destruction, in my going down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. That's a, a, a heartfelt cry, isn't it? A, about the lack of spiritual resource inside and looking for some kind of outside um, encouragement of that. And that's why it needs to be both. It needs to be both. It, it needs to be our inner resources having helped outside and the outside resources bolstering us on the inside. It's interesting that the, the dedication of this psalm at the beginning is uh, a song for the dedication of the temple or possibly the palace of David. Because if there's one outside influence that has an enormous impact on our inner lives, it's worship, isn't it? Worship together. And when those inner resources are, are low and weak and depleted, what we need is, is for that outside resource of worship with other Christians to come in and to help us. And I wonder if the difference in this psalm between verse 9, which is, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. Sorry, that's verse 10. And verse 11, you turn my wailing into dancing. 
And I wonder if the difference between those two verses is that the psalmist remembers where they are. They're in the temple, at the dedication of the temple. They're with other believers. They're worshipping together. And that's what's made the difference. And there are times when we need to have our inner resources bolstered by the community of faith, aren't they? In worship. I think one of the lowest times for me, you know, in terms of all of my ministry was when uh, a period in, in interim ministry when I had a very tough placement and it was negative and critical and personal from the beginning, <laughs> right the way through the almost two years that I was there. And at the end of that, I was done, you know, I was done. I was worn out, my... One of, the, you know, one of the indicators for me was that I, even in leading worship, I mean, I, I enjoy leading worship. I don't find it easy, but I enjoy it. But there, not even that. I didn't look forward to that at all. And I was fortunate because the um, authorities within the Church of Scotland gave me a three-month sabbatical. And the first thing that I did was I went off uh, to a place called the Society of Mary and Martha. It's in a little village called Sheldon in Devon. And they run a, a ministry there that is aimed at people in, in Christian ministry who are clapped out. I used to call it the home for clapped out vicars. <laughs> so I went to the home for clapped out vicars for a week. And that's what I needed. Because the, the inner resources have become used up. And I needed to have that outside resource. There's, um, there's something similar actually happens in, in Psalm 73, which is interesting because I think that's the psalm that, that Miriam was referencing in her children's address. You know, when she talked about uh, the psalm that speaks of why it is that the ungodly prosper. That's Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And the first part of that psalm is all about why is it that, you know, I've kept myself clean and I've kept myself pure and look at these ungodly people, they get away with it all. They're rich and they're, they're comfortable and what about all of that? And then in verses 16 and 17 in Psalm 73 it says this, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. And it's the same thing. It's about the resources that are available to us in terms of the community of faith. As Christians, we don't have a, a temple that we have as, as a kind of icon of God's presence, but we do have worship. And worship, by the way, in all of its variety, you know, we do things in a particular way in Claremont Church. don't know if you realize that, but we do. And it's Goodness me, do you know this? It's not the only way. <laughs> there are other ways to worship, some of which make us feel jolly uncomfortable. But that's where the resource is. It's in worship, because that's the uh, outside influence of the community of faith bolstering my inner life. And then we come to this verse. You turn my wailing into dancing. 
you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And I think that's lovely. Don't you think that's lovely? One of the reasons I think it's lovely is because that idea of being clothed with joy seems to sum up this dynamic relationship between the inside and the outside. Because being clothed, and that's an outer thing, isn't it? You know, you put your clothes on. Well, hope you put your clothes on. In the morning, you get dressed. I think very carefully in the morning. <laughs> Select from one of my two jumpers. No, no. <laughs> but you put them on. You know, that's an outer thing. But the thing that you're clothed with is joy, which is an inner thing. Isn't that lovely? So there's a real sort of balance there about where those resources for spiritual life come from. And there's a similar sentiment in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, which we were reading in our personal Bible readings just quite recently. And it says this, Since we're creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. That's the dynamic. We're dressed up in those things, faith, hope, love. But they're inner things that we are dressed up in. Does my spiritual well-being depend on what is inside me or on outside me? The answer is both. And we need to build up that inner life of faith, and of course we do that through spiritual disciplines. Let me just give a quick um, commercial break for the, um, for the prayer diary. Thank you. It's in there. This is a wonderful resource, you know, people. This is great. How many of you use this? Oh, lots of you do. Good, okay. Well, the ones that don't, I mean, you really are missing out because they, there's, there's just a very short thing for each day. And what we, our habit now is, and we've been doing it for quite a while, is whenever we, you know, we sit and do our Bible reading and prayer in the morning, we look, we look at this. And it's, it's fantastic to think about that whole Christian community, you know, just focusing on, on one particular aspect for prayer. And uh, Christine Knox and Hannah Shanks and Dorothy Offer, who prepare it, every month. Do a wonderful job of that. Um, and this is a good month, a good week, isn't it, to do the commercial break, because uh, these are available <laughs> today for nothing. Uh, please take home, one home with you and, and use it, because that's, that's how we build up our um, inner spiritual resilience. But we also need that outside experience, that experience of God's redemption and healing and the sharing of worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we might end up at the end of the psalm like this. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Let's pray.